Inside Vegas is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Inside Vegas podcast, as well as the Sports Gaming Podcast Network. Use promo code SGP50 to receive a 50% deposit bonus today. Inside Vegas is also brought to you by OddShark. OddShark has the latest betting trends available nowhere else, as well as betting picks from their supercomputer. Check out all of their quality content and betting trends at OddShark.com. Welcome back from the, the one week break that was Inside Vegas. Uh, the reason for that break was pretty simple, actually. We just didn't want to give you guys the same show as we did Inside Vegas. And then we kind of turned things over to the week that was Inside Vegas with uh, Kramer and Sean and, and Colby and even Dick Olson, who made an appearance. So we wanted to just kind of break things up a little bit, not give you guys too much of the same content. And I hope you guys enjoyed the live Periscope that we did, which is kind of a live podcast in two rounds one and two of the tournament. Um, I hope whatever wages you guys did make turned out well. Uh, if they didn't, there's, there's always the next set of rounds, as they say. But uh, basically what we're going to do for this podcast is just kind of go game by game, breaking through each March Madness game throughout the NCAA tournament and kind of what things mean into the next rounds and everything in between. But basically to start things off, uh, first half unders. I mean, Ryan was was so on point with this. And people were were up in arms about it almost in that, you know, it, it definitely struggled last year and it definitely did not do well. And I was one of the people that were on the wrong side of that bloodbath along with, I'm sure a lot of you, um, even though that was kind of more, and I was just doing fantasy with SGP. That was something that I was always on with them. Uh, it didn't turn out well this year uh, or it didn't turn out well last year. This year it was absolutely amazing. So just to recap the first half unders, 4-0 for the first four, 9-7 day one, 11-5 day two for overall 24-12. and 12. And I mean, again, these these are bets that are you know maybe in your fifty to hundred dollar range if you're going to play every single one of them, uh, but but they came out and they came out like aces. And for, for once, since they were so bad last year, it was obviously a welcome sight. And if for anyone that was wondering kind of what the thought process was or why we kind of always went with these first half unders, it's real simple. It's just kind of the same thought process of, of why I bet every uh, under and first half under on Christmas Day. It gets these players out of their routines. And it takes a little bit for them to get going. A lot of these people, or these these kids, I mean, most of them are 18, 19 year old kids, are out of their routines and they're, you know, they're getting up early. This is the biggest stage that so many of them have ever been on. And again, with the shot clock kind of changing last year, that was, I think, a little bit of what went into it. Maybe people are more used to it this year. But th that's the reason for it. It's just whenever you can get somebody out of your routine, obviously, you know, in NFL, even it's things are always talked about how defense is always ahead of offense. So you can kind of take those unders, especially preseason or later in the preseason for that matter, and week to week in the beginning of the year. Uh, it's the same thing here. And again, last year it was it was not good by any stretch of the imagination, but it totally rebounded this year for a twenty-one and twelve overall profit. So I hope hope you guys kind of cashed in on with those. Uh, and kind of got yourself off on the right foot. I mean, that's what eight games over 500. So minus the VIG, probably about plus seven units, if you want to call it that. Um, but Brick, going into the NCAA tournament, I'm, I'm just going to go game by game here and kind of break down everything as it was. 
Uh, Villanova Radford was was pretty self explanatory. Uh, Villanova covered as a twenty two point favorite and it was never even close. Honestly, there really isn't much to say about that game. I mean, Villanova was one of the preseason and going into the tournament favorites from a futures perspective. Uh, plus four seventy five was the number at close at the start of the tournament. I'm sure it shortened a little bit uh, from that. Uh, so they look good. They rolled Radford as a one seed that beaten sixteen. Nothing really to say there much at all. Buffalo and Arizona. God, this one there is a lot to say about. I mean, with Aiton and Trier, it looked like Arizona had find their footing. And I wrote this up on my podcast that I thought that, you know, I'm a huge fan of intangibles. And I'll get to the Loyola game uh, a little bit later on. But if I had known that they had a essentially a mascot of a 98-year-old sister woman, uh, I probably would have been on them. I was on them for Tennessee for, for that specific reason. And, and people kind of made fun of me for it. Of, there wasn't much of a handicap to go with it. But it's just, there's certain things in sports, guys, that really matter. I mean, they had Cinderella written all over the from all over them from the start just because of her presence and there's not really much anybody can do about it they're probably the worst team in Tennessee but that's it but why I want to tie this back into Arizona was when their coach got suspended uh, when it looked like Aiton may not play and Trier for God the, the, there may not be a more frustrating team in this this tournament and well the past two years really uh, than Arizona they look great and they can't they really can't do much with it and uh, again I, I don't really know why that is it just kind of is what it is I think a lot has to do with playing the Pac-12 they look great in Pac-12 but the Pac-12 just being so down I think they'd look better than they were uh, as a side note for Buffalo Buffalo first half only did not cash about I believe four Four times all season long. Um, I gave that out on the Periscope as kind of an angle to attack. And obviously they won money line outright as a first half dog. Um, even more than that, obviously more importantly, Buffalo advances over Arizona as a 13 beating a four seed. Uh, on, and it wasn't close as somebody that is, is a big fan of live betting. I, I found myself getting kind of stuck on Arizona in that scenario. Even um, it just didn't work out. And, and Arizona does what they always do. I told myself for maybe two months, I was going to bet against Arizona every, every second of the way. And even when they went when they had those suspensions and their future odds were out to uh, 23 to one, I got is when the suspensions came down. It looked like things were, there'd be some sanctions and all kinds of shit like that. It just didn't work out for this team as it never does. And all that will be one that I'll kick myself for a very long time. Oklahoma, Rhode Island, uh, 10 seed Oklahoma, seven Rhode Island. This one was, was very, you know, speaking to somebody that just talked to a risk manager and there was no such thing as trap lines, hearing it straight from the horse's mouth, there may be no better illustration of this than this game. I thought the bet splits would be maybe 85, 90% on URI as a minus one, uh, maybe out to minus two. Um, there was a little bit of line movement there, again, in between one and two, but nothing really crazy. And I faded the noise. Uh, there was This wasn't really much of a handicap. I said this again on the Periscope that from a handicapping perspective, Rhode Island should have probably ran them out of the gym. And obviously this game went to overtime, so it was a lot closer than it maybe should have been. Uh, but URI won, or yeah, URI won is five, uh, by five points. And again, this is one I gave out. Um, that just didn't work out. I, I tried to fade the, the public essentially here um, and they got this one. And so not much to say there. This is again, when you hear things like there's no trap lines, there may not be a better illustration of this at all. Tennessee over Wright State, 73 to 47. This one was never really in doubt. There really isn't much to say about this three beating to 14. I really don't have much to say on this one at all. Next one is 13 seeded UNC Greensboro over four seed Gonzaga. Gonzaga won by four points. This was another one that I gave out. It uh, was actually my lock on the pregame Periscope. And the reason for this is simple. And I'm going to bet this every year until it's not profitable anymore. In the last nine times that Gonzaga has been a double-digit favorite, they have won against the spread once. Uh, so this was no more of a handicap than that, just riding that trend. And UNC Greensboro almost won outright. Uh, Gonzaga won by four, but more importantly, Greensboro got the cover for us. So that one was really nice. It was never really, never really a sweat, to be honest with you, either.
Pennsylvania and Kansas. This was the one sixteen matchup that thought if there was ever a going to be it, it was going to be this one. And Kansas won by about 16 points. Um, this one was never really close at all. Um, not much to say about this one other than maybe I, I saw a lot of public action on Penn. Obviously, uh, Kansas, the number closed about 14. So it looks like Kansas uh, basically covered that one. Just not much to say there. One beats the 16 as they should. Iona Duke, a lot of people, this, this over was pretty publicly bet. Um, I think it was a, was a rough one if, if you bet that over. Uh, Duke, 89, Iona, 67. Not much to say about that. Duke looks really great. They're two guys down low. Absolutely dominated the glass. Um, not much to say there. Loyola, Miami, 11-6. Loyola outright 64-62. And this one, there is a lot to say because I talked about the sister, Jean. There's always the one team, right? And as soon as you saw her on the sidelines, she had her P, you know, her ESPN piece that was about her. This, that's when I took it to the next game and said that they're probably going to win outright over Tennessee. And and you can fault me for that, and you can say that that's an amateur thing to do, and that's whatever you want to say. Um, they got the job done the next round against Tennessee, and they got the job done against Miami. Incredible buzzer beater there. Uh, so I feel for anyone that was on my own Miami, and, and great job if you had Layola there. South Dakota State, Ohio State. This was the 12-5 that everyone had circled as kind of what would be the matchup. Most guys probably got a push. If you got the best of the number at eight and a half or nine, you got a nice win there. That was kind of the side in talking with uh, some sharp people and even, you know, some quote-unquote square public guys. South Dakota State with the points was a big one there. So Ohio State does advance, but South Dakota, again, either pushed or got the cover for you. Seton Hall, NC State, again, not much to talk about with an eight, nine. This is usually a coin flip matchup, 94, 83. Not much to talk about there. Davidson, Kentucky. Oh God, I feel for you. Unless you got, you know, unless you got a middle Kentucky one by five, 78, 73 in this one, God, Davidson came back from the dead. They really did. Um, I hope you got five and a half. If that was your side. And if you were on Kentucky, I hope you got four and a half books. Got absolutely crushed here as the number fell right in between that middle. Um, basically worst case scenario. Alabama and Virginia Tech. This one, I was all over Alabama here. They had almost had that, again, 8-9 matchup, always a coin flip game. Uh, I also loved this over. That absolutely came home with not much of a sweat either. Uh, when I gave out this over, I, again, this was just the first first team to 100 to me was going to win this game, and, and they pushed an incredible pace. You know, When speaking with these first half unders, this one went over by about 20, 25 points, I believe. So the over was more of the side there that I liked, uh, but Alabama as well uh, came out ahead 86-83 over Ryan Kramer's Virginia Tech. Hokies. Florida over Bonnies. Again, not much. This one's pretty cut and dry. Florida 77, 62, and Michigan absolutely rolled Montana 61 to 47. So when we look at this stuff, I mean, overall as a tournament, I'll just give you some stats here. Favorites 23 to uh, 19, double digit favorites, nine and six. Contrarian betters, less than 50% of the tickets, 19 and 23, and less than 40% of tickets, 13 and 11. So under 40% was really the sweet spot for contrarian guys. It was kind of a public tournament uh, in all honesty. A lot of the public dogs, I feel like did very well uh, in talking with the Greensboro, uh, South Dakota State, uh, and on and on this pub, this tournament, I mean, again, obviously we'll touch into Virginia going down, but besides that was, was pretty cut and dry, not a ton of upsets throughout the first day. Um, and honestly, I mean, great, great, uh, atmosphere in Las Vegas as there always is. Um, but not much really to, to go off of for a round one or a day one of the tournament was, was pretty, pretty nice. Cincinnati over Georgia State. A lot of people were all over Georgia State here. That one was kind of a, a heartbreaker. Again, I was I was a big fan of Cincinnati uh, from a futures perspective at fifteen to one. They won uh, basically. Uh, I don't say pillar to post. The game was never in doubt. Obviously, the spread was they won by uh, fourteen, and they covered the thirteen. So 
that one again, probably a little bit of movement on the numbers, but not a lot to say there. Texas, Nevada. This one, this one I do have a lot to say about because as I touched on time and time again, if you follow me on Twitter or you saw the retweets from uh, the SGP account, I gave this out as well on the Periscope, putting in a future bet on both of these teams, Texas 160 to one and Nevada, five dimes closed Nevada, 500 to one. Uh, so you had a 160 to one against essentially 300 to one is the number that I got out to 500 to one if you got it on five dimes. Nevada, they won They won in overtime, 87, 83. So moving on to the next round, holding a 300 to one ticket, obviously taking a short-term loss on the 160 to one Texas bet. Um, and again, you didn't have to place that Texas one. Nevada was the play because it was so overinflated, really, um, as we'll touch on with what just happened with Nevada and Cincinnati. Michigan State, Bucknell, uh, obviously, Bucknell got the cover. Michigan State kind of faulted throughout this one. It looked a little bit close at times. They pulled away, and it was a little bit back and forth, but not a whole lot there. Florida State over Missouri. A lot of people were on Missouri in this one. Um, again, for probably the only reason that Michael Porter Jr., I mean, he only had 16. He did have 10 rebounds, but they just didn't show up. And somebody that backed Xavier from a futures perspective, I, I was hoping that this would happen. Honestly, this was the best case scenario. Uh, I thought the Missouri could pose them a lot of problems. So Florida State getting through is was a nice thing for anyone holding an Xavier ticket. Um, not, not a lot there, though. Providence and Texas A&M, 73-69. Providence, again, that foul. Oh, God, I feel for you if you had Providence plus the three on that one, losing by a point. Purdue over Fullerton, 74-48. This one was not close. I believe they jumped out to 13 nothing, 21-5, like five, something like that. It was never even close. The cover was never even in doubt. Obviously, the big news out of Purdue losing Haas for the, the tournament is, is a huge blow, although they did just get by Butler, uh, but they are not the same team. So I would sell Purdue uh, basically every which way. Marshall, Wichita State. Marshall, 13 seed over the Wichita State, four at number four. Marshall, 81. Wichita, 75. This was Marshall was another team that was in that you know 200 to 300 uh, range in the futures market, and, and they just showed up. And I think that Wichita you know, backers are kind of enamored with the run that they did have all those years ago. And, and this isn't the same team by any stretch of the imagination. And Marshall did make a lot of noise throughout the whole year. So Marshall's a team I would look to get behind a little bit. North Carolina over Lipscomb, not much there at all. Butler over Arkansas. Butler was another team in that 200, you know, 150 uh, to one range. Absolutely let up Arkansas, winning by 17 points. And that's really, I mean, Xavier putting up 100 on Texas Southern, Southern is... Uh, absolutely crazy prophecy if you took a team total over or anything like that and tcu and syracuse syracuse 57 over the six seed tcu and and that one was back and forth it was a really it was a great game but again syracuse always seemed to do this every single year they get no respect i mean playing game after playing game make a sweet 16 year after year and, and then they get no respect Props to that coaching staff and props to that team. I feel like a futures bet on Syracuse every single year, regardless of seeding, is, is almost warranted and is almost a must, a must place at this point just because time and time again, they get the job done. And that was it from the first two days of the tournament and round one of the tournament, actually. Uh, there was, again, obviously, the we're going to get into Saturday's games with Virginia losing outright, which was absolutely crazy. I mean, to say that you've never seen anything like that is obviously a vast understatement, uh, which is the only one I didn't talk about. Um, again, I don't know how you rebound as a program, as a, as a team almost, uh, for the Virginia. And, I mean, Baltimore, good, good on them. That, that was the Cinderella story. I don't know if covers interviewed a couple of people that placed a uh, couple wagers. There was eight people in Las Vegas uh, through all the tickets that placed a bet 21 to one on 
Baltimore beating Virginia outright. Uh, one of those, I uh, was a good friend of mine. I was actually out in Vegas with uh, JP's Atomic Locks on Twitter. Um, again, and the covers ran with this story. Um, his was a $100 bet to win 2100 and one better had 800 to win 16, over a little over 16,000. So again, it, this is one of those things where you, you kind of only see the wins because obviously people place these 16 ones every single year. But nobody ever hears about them because they. This is the first one that's ever come home. So, props on these guys to, for placing these bets. They absolutely deserve every penny of those that they won. But that that's a wrap on round one of the tournament. We're gonna get into Saturday and Saturdays and Sundays games, breaking that down. Before we do, Inside Vegas is sponsored by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of Inside Vegas and the Sports Gambling Podcast. Enter promo code SGP50 and get a 50% deposit bonus today. It's brought, also brought to you by Odd Shark, one of my favorite people in the world. Had him on the podcast, Johnny Odd Shark. Absolutely doing great work over at Oddshark and get picks from their supercomputers. They give out all kinds of great trends, all kinds of good things out there, and all of their content is all free. So I can't say enough good things about Oddshark over there as well. All right. So breaking down round two of the NCAA tournament, this is where after this round is where I kind of readjust my futures uh, because all these odds are fluid and these odds, it's not as if you have to get them before the tournament. I've always said this, my, my philosophy with futures is you only place them if you think they're going to shorten either during the season or in this case during the NCAA tournament, which is obviously why I placed the future on Arizona. And again, obviously that it didn't work out, but you can't tell me that 23 to one isn't, you know, amazing value. Villanova at plus 475 was, you know, one of the shortest ones on the board. But again, they're going to shorten throughout the NCAA tournament given their path. Um, so this is one, again, once the upsets happen, this is kind of how you can weed them out and, and readjust and hedge and, and buy out and do kind of your things there. So that's always been my, this is after this round has always been where I kind of, again, I know it's taking a short, a shorter number and that's never a great thing. But you kind of eliminate a little bit of variance. And again, with the 12 fives that happen and all those things. So that's always been my thought process on it here. So Villanova over Alabama covering pillar to post 81-58. Duke, again, covering pillar to post over Rhode Island 87-62. to And Kentucky over Buffalo 95-75. to And this is one that I want to touch on, especially when it comes to Kentucky and maybe taking a futures market out, a futures price out on their market. The reason I say that is they are the absolute winners of this tournament and then this bracket from a matchup perspective. Don't get this twisted that I'm saying Kentucky's going to win the tournament, but their path is absolutely incredible right now due to the fact that within their bracket, number one, Virginia lost outright to a 16 seed. After that, Arizona obviously lost to Buffalo, and now they're going to get the winner. They're going to get Kansas State. Uh, which I think they're going to definitely be favored in. After that, they're going to get the winner of Loyola, Chicago, and Nevada. Uh, they have a an unevaded path to at least the Elite Eight, and I think they're going to be favored the whole way through. Again, Nevada, Loyola, Chicago is, is their Elite Eight matchup if they can get past Kansas State. And obviously, Kansas State can pose some problems for them. But again, one matchup and, and you're in the Elite Eight. So I think Kansas definitely warrants a futures uh, ticket on. Loyola over Tennessee. This is, again, the game that I was on as Loyola is about a five-point dog. They won outright 63-62. And, and you can't shake Sister Jean. You really can't. And as again, it just seemed so obvious to me that this was the story that was going to come out. And I'm not saying anything's fixed or this or that. It's just how many times have we seen these stories come out? And I'm just not one to bet against them. And this is the Cinderella. This is this is this year's Wichita. Uh, this is everything to do with what March Madness is all about on there. Kansas over Seton Hall, 83-79. And 
God help you if you had Kansas minus four and a half. I hope you guys went contrarian there because this line, (laughs) this is the opposite of the Oklahoma, Rhode Island line in that if there was a trap line, this is it. I talked to about six people when this line first came out and they all said the same thing. Why is this so short? Um, And speaking as somebody that faded this noise and and faded URI with Oklahoma and lost, I went right back to the well. I had to to fade Kansas. The number just looked off to me. And again, I know that there's no trap lines. I know this or that, uh, but... Jesus, I feel for you. I hope you took a little Kansas money line and maybe a parlay or something like that instead, because that is that is that is heartbreaking. Gonzaga over Ohio State, eighty four or ninety to eighty four. Ohio State was uh, very I won't want to say overrated, but I don't think they were deserving as a five seed. So Gonzaga took care of business there. Florida, Texas Tech, Texas Tech won sixty nine sixty six. That line was about a pick. Uh, so not a ton there. So day three of the tournament and Michigan, 64-63. Obviously, Houston gets the cover there. Not a ton from day three of the tournament outside of, again, that heartbreaker with Kansas. If you had that, Loyola winning as an 11 seed uh, was pretty much it. Everything else was favorites and big favorites coming in and covering. So on to day four of the tournament, we had... Nevada and Cincinnati. And this one, obviously, I want to touch on in detail because of everything that I've I've put out there with taking Nevada uh, at 300 to 1 and taking Cincinnati at 15 to 1. Well, if you took Nevada and you didn't hedge it or you only hedged it a little bit, again, when, and speaking about Nevada, a $100 bet gave you back $30,000 in, in, in kind of wiggle room. Cincinnati with the biggest meltdown in NCAA tournament history, I believe, uh, is 22. They were winning by 22 points, lose outright by two, 75-73. Why this is important? Again, Cincinnati was the other team I told I advised guys to take a future out on. Obviously, you took that, for, that short-term loss, losing a 15-1. to one. But you're now walking into Sweet 16 with Nevada at 300 to one, and the, the even better news is they're a one to two point favorite in the market right now against Loyola. Again, obviously you can let it ride; they're favored to win that game. You're going up against Sister Jean if if that's what you want to do. Uh, I, I'm a big guy, big believer in hedging and taking some guaranteed money at the at the cost of a short term loss, uh, but. If Nevada is able to pull this off as a favorite against Loyola, you're walking into the Elite Eight with a 300 to 1 ticket. Um, And that's why, again, I didn't think that they would get past Cincinnati. I I took some live bets during that game. I took Nevada plus 15.5. I took Nevada before the game plus 9.5. I took 20.5 during the game. And this is because I put a lot of money on Cincinnati's money line at uh, basically minus 340. Um, it takes money to win money. Uh, it really does in this business. Uh, obviously, I took a pretty big short-term loss there. Um, it was obviously mitigated by the fact that, again, I, I put a little bit more on the Nevada 300 to 1, knowing that this was going to be my plan. Um, it's just uh, what a meltdown by Cincinnati, but it worked out in the favor. And for anyone that kind of took our advice on the pregame periscope and took that short-term loss with Cincinnati, I'm sorry for you. But uh, the, again, the good news is if you put $100 on Nevada, you're walking into the Sweet 16 and potentially Elite Eight with a 300 to 1 ticket. So you can't be too upset there. Purdue without Haas. Just gets by Butler, 76-73. Syracuse over Michigan State. I just talked about Syracuse. I can't believe it. I really can't. Um, not, I didn't have anything from a betting perspective on this game. But Syracuse winning. Winning outright over Michigan State as a 10-point underdog. I mean, this is what Syracuse does day in, day out when it comes down to the tournament. Like Syracuse may be the next Michigan State and just people don't want to don't want to kind of bring themselves to admit it at this point. Um, it's absolutely crazy. They're getting to the point where you have to take a future out on them regardless of the seating, regardless of the price. I can't harp on it enough. Big one here. Texas A&M absolutely runs the defending champions, North Carolina, out of the gym, winning 86 to 65. 
Texas Tech winning outright as a, or Texas A&M as a seven point dog. I mean, what can you say? Again, I thought North Carolina was very overrated throughout the whole season, but, but that is, that's, you know, kind of shocking to be honest. Clemson over uh, Auburn, 84, 53. Auburn did not show up the first half of this game, 43 to 19. I mean, rip your tickets up a couple minutes and there's nothing worse there. Um, and Kansas state just getting by Baltimore, 50 to 43. I mean, talk about an under dream there. Only two games that are going on right now. Xavier currently has a 46, 35 lead over Florida state. Uh, and Marshall is down three to West Virginia. And that's kind of the recap of the tournament. Again, I think the big takeaways here is that Kentucky is set up beautifully to make a run. It's coming out of that bracket, like I said, getting the winner of Loyola and Nevada, as long as they can get past Kansas State, I think a future on Kentucky is definitely warranted. Villanova, obviously the one seed in their bracket, they're going to probably have, if Marshall can, again, only down two, can pull this upset, I think that Villanova has a great path. Uh, even if they don't, that press in West Virginia, I don't think is going to be a, a ton, ton of, of problems for Villanova. So they're looking good there as the one seed. Kansas obviously is, is rolling everyone. They get a nice draw with uh, Clemson up next. And they're likely going to get Syracuse next if they can get past Clemson. Um, if uh, or if uh, Duke, sorry, likely going to get Duke. So uh, Duke and Kansas probably coming out of that bracket. Um, and on the other side, Xavier. Xavier was the other one that I was big on placing a future mark. I mean, sixteen to one for a one seed in that that bracket, the West. That was not a lot going on there. Was again reason that I kind of advice to take those features out. Xavier looks like they're set up as well. I don't think that they're going to have too much of a problem with Gonzaga. Uh, as long as they can get past Florida State. And again, they're currently up a bunch on Florida State, so they're going to come out of there. But again, um, March Madness as a whole, surprises, not really that big. Other than, you know, obviously, the the biggest surprise in maybe tournament history happened, which is weird to say, you know, in saying that it was kind of cut and dry. But there wasn't, wasn't too many you know, upsets all over the place or anything like that. Um, so... I hope you guys kind of cashed out, kind of did your thing. Uh, for anyone that I saw in Vegas, it was absolutely a pleasure. Uh, again, check out the pregame Periscope if, if you want to have some laughs with Sports Gambling Podcast crew. They had the Dirty Sports guys on and the aforementioned Dick Olson <laughs> even made an appearance as well as Colby. Uh, so uh, I hope you guys kind of cashed in on our locks. They did very well. Um, and we'll get back to basically what, again, this podcast, it was kind of came in at a weird time, but I promise getting back to the interview formats. We just, we skipped a week because we didn't want to give you guys too much March Madness stuff, but we also wanted to do the in-person stuff and, and the whole inside Vegas vibe as it were with, with the NCAA tournament. Um, so with that, uh, well, again, we're going to get back to uh, strictly kind of interview basis after this. Um, obviously we'll touch on some, some tournament stuff, some sweet 16 stuff, but this is going to be kind of a kind of the last kind of picks driven and, and things like that uh, episode of the inside Vegas podcast. So again, if I saw you out in Vegas, uh, Appreciate you guys coming up, saying hi. And if I was too busy, I'm really sorry. It's just there's a lot going on in a short amount of time, and one of the most busiest years of of busiest times of years in Las Vegas. So again, thank you guys so much. Um, rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes. Five star reviews always help. We just cracked the top 100 of all sports podcasts on iTunes. Just getting past a childhood hero of mine, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So again, can't thank you guys enough for all the love and support. And as always, if you need anything, uh, give me at Twitter at Christian Pina and the Sports Gambling Podcast at Gambling Podcast. So uh, we'll be back next week uh, for the scheduled time of Monday, and that will be more of an Inside Vegas uh, Oddsmaker uh, perspective, uh, kind of following up on the risk management episode that we did. So again, guys, thank you so much, and I hope you enjoyed it. Mm -hmm.